Psalm 17. This is a, a psalm of David, more than likely. Um, we don't exactly know what was going on in David's life when this psalm was written, but uh, boy, there's a lot of things about this psalm that really remind me and make me think about David's time as he was fleeing from Saul. It's possible that David could have written this psalm uh, during that time. It's possible that it could have written, uh, been written at a different time. But we're just going to kind of read through Psalm uh, 17, and we're just going to break it down and uh, see what the Lord has to tell us tonight. So we'll just read through all of it, and then we'll talk about it. Psalm 17 verse 1 Lord hear a just cause pay attention to my cry listen to my prayer from lips free of deceit let my vindication come from you for you see what is right you have tested my heart you have examined me at night you have tried me and found nothing evil I have determined that my mouth will not sin. Concerning what people do by the words of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps are on your path. My feet have not slipped. I call on you, God, because you will answer me. Listen closely to me. Hear what I say. Display the wonders of your faithful love, Savior of all who seek refuge from those who rebel against your right hand. Protect me as the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who treat me violently, my deadly enemies who surround me. They have become hardened. Their mouths speak arrogantly. They advance against me. Now they surround me. They are determined to throw me to the ground. They are like a lion eager to tear, like a young lion lurking in ambush. Rise up, Lord. Confront him. Bring him down. With your sword, save me from the wicked. With your hand, Lord, save me from men. From men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their bellies with what you have in store. Their sons are satisfied and they leave their surplus to their children. But I will see your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for this good word. And I pray that in these few minutes, dear Lord, that we focus on just your word, dear Lord. That's what's important to us. That's what we want to focus on, not things of the world, not our worries, not our stresses, not our, not our fears, not the good things, not the bad things, whatever it may be in our life, dear Lord. Let us push that to the side for these few minutes. And God, I pray that you humble me. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me in a way that these words are going to be good for us tonight, God. Your words are always good. So let us get it, God. Let us let us see what this is saying. Let us see what David's going through. Let us see how he's living for you. Let us see how he's trusting in you. Let us see how he's not giving in to fear and all that he faces in these words tonight. Let them be good for us, God. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Well, David starts off in this first verse. He talks about, he says, Lord, hear a just cause. And if there, is, uh, there are many things that we could say about God, but one of those things that we could say about God is that He is a just God. I've heard Brother Ernie say that a million times from the pulpit here growing up. God is a, is a loving God. God is a just God. God is a God of wrath. He has said that many times. And that's ingrained in me, and those things are all true. We definitely see throughout Scripture, 
Scripture that God is going to bring justice. We even see that when God is, is giving His children the law, when He is giving them the commands, when He is telling them what they should do, how they should handle certain situations. One of those things that He covers is He wants to make sure that justice is served. That is, when, when a case is, is brought up, when there is a feud between multiple people, that justice is going to be served and that things are going to work out the way in which they should. Uh, Exodus chapter 23, if you want to turn there, you can. If not, just listen. But this is just a, a little, one brief example of God and justice. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 23, verse 3. Uh, Do not show favoritism to a poor person in his lawsuit. And then a little further down in verse 6. You must not deny justice to a poor person among you in his lawsuit. So what God is saying here, look, when there is a conflict, when there is a problem, when there is one person against another person, God said don't show favoritism, whether they're poor, whether they're rich, whoever they may be, what is important to God is that justice is served. And we see that that is going to be the case ultimately through Scripture when God returns, when Jesus Christ returns and God brings his wrath and judgment, justice will be served. And that's what David is asking for here. David is saying, Lord, let let hear my just prayer, hear my just call, see what's going on in my life. And then David goes on to, to say what, what may seem like at first glance, like David is saying, Oh God, I'm so perfect, I haven't done anything wrong, but these people who are against me are so wicked. And I know David uses some language like that, but I don't think that that's David's heart. I don't think that that's David's intent. David is simply pointing out here, look, God, I have been faithful to you. I have walked in the right paths that you have put before me. I have not strayed. I have not done evil. And that's very true. If we look at David's life early on in the scripture, we see that David was very much obedient to the Lord. We see that early on when he stands up to Goliath, when the whole army wouldn't stand before Goliath. And who is David? He's going to take lunch to his brothers. All of a sudden he hears a big, huge giant mocking his God. And he says, who is this? And David, uh, trusting in the Lord, not having fear of the giant and those who were against him, he stands up to the giant. And so we see very early on from when we're introduced to David, we see that, uh, that God is looking at his heart. That's what Samuel has to deal with. Samuel's looking at his brother saying, well, surely it's one of David's brothers that God wants to anoint as king. And, and God says, look, I'm looking on the inside. I'm not looking on the outside. And so we know from that scripture that David's heart was in the right spot. We know from David's choices, the way he lived his life and what he did, that David was definitely a man of God, that he followed God. Now, if you've ever read in the text, you know that David had some sin. He had some things that came up later on. But, but what David is saying here, I think in his plea for justice, that God would hear him and deliver him. He's saying, look God, I am your servant. I have walked in your past. I have been obedient to you. I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm following you, God. Would you please spare me? Would you please have some mercy on me as my enemies are upon me? Now, who are these enemies that are upon David? Who is the one here that's causing David trouble? Well, we really don't know. We don't know who it could be. But boy, it sure sounds, uh, it reminds me a lot, as I said earlier, of, of, of David's situation as he, was, as he was facing Saul. As Saul was trying to take David's life, as God had already said, look, David's going to be the one who's going to be the next king. And boy, Saul, he had done got all out of whack. He just was, was angry and bitter, and he was trying to kill David. And even through that, David was able to keep his composure. Even through all that Saul was trying to do to come against him, David was not willing to give in. He was still not going to sin against the Lord. 
1 Samuel 24, if you want to turn there, you can. If not, just listen close. Uh, there's a, there's a, a good little part of the story uh, with Saul and David that kind of shows uh, David's heart through this process. As Saul is attempting to take David's life, we see kind of what David's heart is like in 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 7. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's choice men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there and he went in to relieve himself. David and his men were staying in the back of the cave. So they said to him, Look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, I swear by the Lord I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men, and he did not let them rise up against Saul. That's pretty good stuff. That's a lot of restraint. Here is David, who is being uh, sought after by Saul so that he can be killed. And of all the places, uh, David and his men are hiding out in a cave, and Saul slips into there. And David has the perfect opportunity. He could have slipped up behind him, and bam, he could have done away with Saul on the spot. He didn't. He kind of went up to his robe. He cut a little bit off. But even just cutting something off his robe, his conscience was bothering him. He felt guilty because he said, Look, I'm not going to, to go against the Lord's appointed. He said, God has appointed Saul to be the king, and I'm not going to go against him. I'm not going to go against God. I'm going to let God handle it and settle it in God's time, and I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to step back. And so we see from a few different scriptures and a few different stories about David what David's heart is. And so it's possible that it, it could have been Saul that, was, that David was talking about. It could have been this very situation that David was talking about as he was asking for God to deliver him. He goes on to say in, in verse 8, he says, Protect me as the pupil of your eye. What he's saying is, God cherish me enough that you that I am so special to you that you protect me, that you keep me from harm's way. And we know what it's about to protect the people of our eye, right? Our eyes are super important to us. If something happens to our eyes, we're probably not going to get a new one. And so we are very careful to protect our eyes when we're working with heavy equipment or we're working with something that could come into our eye. We wear safety glasses because our eyes are super important and, and we cherish them because they are important to us. And David is saying to, to, to the Lord here, Lord, let me be important to you. Cherish me, God, to the point to where you protect me that I am something so important. Protect me as the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. I think about those nature shows. You know, you see them on the Discovery Channel and you'll see birds and they may have little baby birds and they're in the nest and maybe they've, they've got their, their wing over and protecting them from the elements or from an enemy that's coming by. They're protecting their younglings. And God is look, uh, David is looking up to the Lord saying, look, God, protect me because I am helpless. I'm not, I can't do anything on my own. I'm helpless as my enemy comes against me. But God, please protect me. Put me in the, in the shadow of your wings so that I will be protected from the evil one who comes against me. Skipping on down to the bottom. 
Verse 13, Rise up, Lord, confront him, bring him down with your sword, save me from the wicked. With your hand, Lord, save me from men, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their bellies with what you have in store. Their sons are satisfied, and they leave their surplus to their children. But I will seek your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Now here we have a good contrast to Psalm 16 that we saw last week. Last week uh, we talked about that the Lord is our portion. That's what the psalmist talked about last week. He said, look God, you are my portion. But, but tonight we see just the opposite. At the end of this psalm, when David is talking about his enemies, those men of the world, he said that their portion is in this life. That is, their portion is not the Lord. They are not concerned with being in the Lord's presence, with being obedient to God. They are more concerned with what they are going to get in this life. He says, look, you fill their bellies with what you have in store. Their sons are satisfied, and they leave their surplus to their children. You see, the wicked are, are satisfied with, with the wickedness in the world. The wicked are satisfied with their, with their portion of what they can gain in this world. But David was looking far beyond just this world. Sure, are there some things in this world that are going to satisfy us, even the Christian? Absolutely, God gives us things. We see that in Ecclesiastes, that God means to be a satisfaction for us. But David is saying, look, the wicked are satisfied just with what's in the world. Their portion is just with what's in the world. But David's portion was in the Lord. And he was way more satisfied in the Lord than they would ever be in the world. He says, but I will seek your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Boy, those who seek the Lord, those of us who trust in the Lord, those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that is a 100% satisfaction guarantee. I guarantee you that not a single soul that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is going to go to heaven and say, all right, God, I put my portion in you and I've trusted in you, but... Golly, God, this heaven thing, this is just not good. I'm just not satisfied. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. There is no way for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, who have made God our portion, everything that we, that we do, we do to serve the Lord. There is no way that one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, no, this ain't as good as I, as I thought it was. I think I'd rather go to hell. It's not going to happen. But those who find their portion in this life and who try to find their satisfaction in this life, sure, they may find that satisfaction for a moment in the moment. But boy, they are going to be in for a rude awakening for all eternity because they're not going to have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And we see that so many times with God's people. So many times we see evil people in God's Word who it seems like everything is going well for them, while for God's people it seems like things are not going well. It may seem that way in our world. It may seem that way in your life. We see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. But those who have their portion in this life, boy, that's not going to be a very fulfilling portion. And what Scripture calls us to, what David is calling us to, is to say, look, don't put your portion in things of the world like the wicked, but he's saying put your portion in the Lord. Be satisfied in the Lord. And David is saying that's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And David is praising the Lord here because in the midst of a struggle, he's going to keep on trusting the Lord because he knows that the Lord can deliver him. And that may be what some of you need to do. That may be what's on our hearts. Maybe we're trying to find some satisfaction in the world, 
And David tells us right here, look, if we want to be satisfied, we'll find that satisfaction just like he did by trusting and serving the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these good words today. We thank you for your faithful servant, David. We thank you for, for his attitude and his actions. God, help us to be able to be so strong that when our enemies come against us and we have the opportunity to, to take that jab at them, to, to say something mean that's going to hurt their feelings or to do something that's going to that's hurt them or bring them down, God, let us remember what David did. Let us remember his heart. God, he had a man trying to kill him, and he had every opportunity to do him wrong, but he was obedient to you, and he would rather do right by you, dear Lord, than harm his enemies. So God, help us to have that kind of love for our enemies. Help us to have the same kind of, kind of trust and desire to seek you in our troubles, God, that we would, we would know that we are like a, like a helpless bird, God, that is, that is, that is needing you to, to take us under the shadow of your wings for protection. God, help us not to be satisfied with a portion in this life because, God, that's not going to satisfy for very long. But, dear Lord, help us to seek you and be satisfied with your love and your grace and, and all that you do for us. God, help us to find that satisfaction in you to know, God, that it's going to be way more satisfying at the end of our life if we live for you, if we accept Jesus Christ, than it is going to be if we are satisfied with this old world. So, God, help us to... Help us to learn from this text tonight. Help us to remember it. Help us to get it. Help us to live by it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.